second service. So how many of you were in the first service? Can I see for... Okay. All right. That's almost everybody. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you are here for the second part. I thought normally, you know, you preach the word, they run away. But you didn't run away. You came right back again. So that's awesome. God is good. I said God is good. And all the time, God is good. Well, tension they even say... He's going to preach the word this morning. Well, that doesn't sound very positive. <laughs> He's going to preach the word this morning. <laughs> there we go. That's good stuff. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can sit under your word. Learn from you again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Give us teachable spirits, Lord, in Jesus' name. Take away, Father God, the heart of stone. Give us hearts of flesh to receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. We bind Satan and every demonic spirit that would try to hinder that what you want to do uh, this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. May revival start in our hearts. May revival come here to Gladstone, Father. We ask this. In Jesus' name. Father God, what you have begun in the past, the Bible is very clear. It says you will complete, you'll continue to do it until it's finished. And I thank you, Lord. The work you've done is a good work. Lord, we just want to come and build and add on to that which you are doing. And I thank you, Father, for breakthrough in the lives of men and women. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, say amen. All right, for those of you who are not here this morning, I'm speaking about seven strategies on advancing the kingdom of God. But then I read to you the verse, and I'm not going to go through it all, but Luke chapter 12, just quickly, Luke 12 verse 32 says, Do not fear, so we mustn't be afraid, a little flock. Do not fear, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't your neighbor and say that's good news. How many of you agree it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? So we believe and we understand the kingdom, but how do we advance the kingdom of God, especially in a time that we are living in right now? Now, I find it amazing that when I look at the world and the state of the world, I look at what is happening with the woke movement in the world that they are in our schools, they are amongst our young people. I'm not getting an amen here. You need to be very alert that Satan has, is out completely to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what I find even more amazing is how Christians accept it. And they shouldn't be accepting this, having transgenders come up and teach your children, having uh, sex ed from a very young age. Am I preaching to somebody here who's a, who's a God-fearing man and woman? Wouldn't you agree that something is wrong? Satan has no mercy. He's merciless. He just goes out all in, in every way that he can to bring destruction. And he's targeting our young people. Because if he can target the young people, he's got the next generation. 
And I'm asking myself, what happened to the church that the church has become weak and afraid to confront certain things? We need to speak out against this. Can I get an mm-hmm? You say, but I'm afraid of competition or I'm afraid of, of offending people. And Well, duh, the devil doesn't want you to, to you know, come and uh, uh, work in his, uh, in his place. We as Christians are to man up, stand up, and we need to take back that which the devil stole. Come on, somebody. We shouldn't lay down and give up, but we need to say enough is enough unless you are completely sold out to the devil and not on fire for God. Who would agree? I don't know. I really, it bothers me to see how, how Christians are just accepting all the things of the world. No, we are not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't carry a culture. The only culture we carry is the Jesus culture. We talk like him, act like him, move like him. If you can't accept that, then you're not born again. You need to get saved. That you can take on the culture of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Okay, that's good. Don't your neighbor and say you're going to get mad or glad, but something's about to happen to you this morning. Now, I'm not going to go through everything. I want to get into how, what do we do to start advancing the kingdom of God? Satan is doing a good job in advancing his kingdom. What do we need to do to advance the kingdom of God? Amen. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first step that we do, we need to preach repentance and not a feel-good gospel Christianity message. We need to preach repentance. The Bible is full of repentance. People get offended when you talk about repentance. Why? Because they want to hold on to the pleasures of the world and they don't want to turn full out for God. They want to go, don't want to go for God. So in Matthew chapter 3 verse 1, and I'm going to read the Bible, that's what I said. And if you get mad at me, get mad at God because he said it, not me. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and he said, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Somebody say repent. Repent is not a swear word. It's not a cuss word. It is very much needed for us to do in these last days. Would you agree? Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 comes and it says, From that time Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say this to me. Say Jesus said. I am to repent, not Pastor Dion. Would you agree? Jesus said, repent. Repentance is a very important word. And you don't hear anymore very few or little ministers who will preach repentance from the pulpit. They don't want to bring offense. People get mad when you talk about this thing. But we need to preach on repentance because repentance occurs a couple of dozen times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In actual fact, there's, there's, there's many times that the Bible speaks about repentance. Repentance is necessary for every person who wants to go to heaven. Too often we hear words like God loves you. You can have a relationship with Jesus and other encouraging facts, which are very biblical truths. It's true. We can have a relation. We, can, we know that God loves us. But without the teaching to repent of our sins, we won't be able to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you agree? The Lord himself said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and verse 5, he says, Unless you repent, you will all perish. 
Didn't you even say Jesus said that? What did he say? Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. God speaks about repentance. God's desire is to see the kingdom grow, not to have Christians hopping from church to church. This growth takes repentance from sin and to have faith in Jesus Christ, to move people out of the devil's kingdom and into the kingdom of God. I find so many times that when a, a, a pastor begins to preach, the offense comes and people get mad because he's preaching repentance. Then they go to another church and hopefully that preacher will preach a more soothing message and make me feel better. But the moment he preaches a hard word, then they back up and they leave to the next church. Hello, you can't run from repentance. It's part of the gospel message. Repent. Turn to your neighbor and look them straight in the eye and say, it's time to repent, neighbor. Come on, it's time to repent. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Tell your neighbor, here it comes. He's going to read the Bible again. I told you this before, Pastor uh, James, you know. I've said this, you know, one day I was preaching in a church. The pastor rebuked me at the end of the service. He said, you read too much Bible. <laughs> he did. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, you need to tell more stories. And so this was in Australia. Even a pastor in Australia came to me and said, you need to tell more stories. So why, why must I tell stories? What, you want to be, you want to, you know. No, hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word, would you agree? Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, Paul, uh, Paul writes, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, judgment is coming. Is that true? There it says, there's going to come a judgment. Verse 2, are you ready? Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now listen to what he says. This is Paul teaching Timothy. He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn the ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Uh-oh. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Somebody say afflictions. Somebody say persecution. See, too many people will talk the wonderful things of God, but they will not speak about Jesus saying, pick up your cross and follow me. We don't want to hear the hard side of Christianity. We don't want to hear the word repentance. We don't want to hear about letting go of the world and the sins of the world. We just want to have that make me feel good. You know, Jesus loves me. If you want to, you know, get drunk, go ahead and enjoy life and have sex with the secretary and do whatever you want to do. But it's okay. The Lord loves you. No, my friend, you are living in sin and you need to repent. And your neighbor said that was for you, not for me. Bless the Lord. And again, and again, am I reading the word? Help me. Raise your hand if you agree I'm reading the Bible. Wonderful. So you can't get offended at me. 
You can't even dare to say he's preaching a hard word because I'm reading the Bible. It's not a hard word. If you've got a problem with that, go and fight with Paul. Because Paul said it. Paul's letter to Timothy are really powerful letters teaching us about repentance and how to live. Listen to this. How to live a good, clean Christian life. That's what his letter does. To teach us to live a holy life, a good life, a Christian life. But some people get so angry when we teach from these scriptures and they say you are condemning us. When all the while it's God's word that you are reading. Mm-hmm. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says this. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. But know this. Are you ready? Know this. Listen. That in the last days, perilous times will come. How many of you know we're in the last days? Verse 2. For men will be lovers of who? They will be lovers of themselves. They will not only be lovers of themselves, but they will be lovers of what? Money. They will be boasters. They will be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Who's, who, who's speaking here? Is it Dion Hockey speaking? No, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that there are people who will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures, rather than lovers of God. Does that not sound familiar? That what we once said is sin and wrong, the world has twisted it around and said it's a-okay you can live and do whatever you want to do it goes against the full counsel of God's word would you agree God's word says no the world says it's okay to shack up together it's okay to to you know do the woke thing and to and to change your gender and to do all of that hello that's outside of the word of God it does not line up with God's word God's not confused would you agree? Yes. Somebody says, but Dion, why are you sharing this with me? Because the kingdom of God needs to be advanced in truth and not in fakeness. We need to preach a message of repentance because it's repentance that will bring you to God. And in the end, I said in the first service, and all of you were here, and I said that there is a word called eternity, and hell will be an eternity. It's a place of burning in the lake of fire, and you tell me, listen to me, you do not want to go there, because nobody will ever get you out of hell. The only thing to prevent you from going hell is repentance and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then following Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Do you agree with what I said? Verse 5 says, the people, and this is the church of today, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Uh-oh. They have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power of the word of God. And from such people, what does the Bible say? From such people do what? Do what? Then why are we so involved with such people? 
Because the Bible said that. I'm not saying that to you. We turn away from them. Meaning, we don't get involved in what they are doing. We will shine a light in the darkness where they are. And we'll set the example that they're supposed to follow after. Not us following after them. You agree, Pastor James? What do we have to do? It's a matter of the blind leading the blind. If one guy jumps down the mountain, you know, and there's a fire down there, everybody just follows and jumps in. No, my dear friend, we are to stand out, separate, away from what the world wants us to do and be a, a, a voice for many people who have, who have lost their voice. That's how you begin to advance the kingdom of God. Would you agree with what I'm saying? Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Oh, we don't believe in casting out devils. Oh, we don't believe in praying for the sick. We don't believe in speaking in tongues. We don't believe in having, you know, the power of God and revival. That's, that's too much for us. They have a form of godliness. They come to church on a Sunday, but they will not flow in the power of God. Verse 6, he says, for of this sort are those who creep into where? You know, they creeped into the churches. And they have influence amongst the people. Ah, oh, well, don't listen to that guy. He's too radical, you know. He takes things too far. For of this sort, those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women, loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Say with me, repentance. Repentance is very much needed to take place amongst people. And this way we can advance the kingdom of God. Would you agree? Yeah. Repentance from what? Of sin. Number two, how do we advance the kingdom of God? You must believe God for the demonstration of the power and of the Holy Spirit. And you must expect salvation, expect healing, expect deliverance and the changing of lives. Hello? If we want to advance the kingdom of God, we have to expect the supernatural to show up. Because we serve a supernatural God who's not dead. And the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not listen to the lie of the world who comes to you and tells the power of God stop when the apostles died. And do not believe the lie of the world when they say, well, you know what? We are living in a different dispensation. It's a different culture, a different era. We don't have to believe the things of the Bible. No, my dear friend, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything that is in the Bible is yes and amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. You cannot say this is not in our era anymore. Either you believe the whole counsel of God or you don't. Either you take the word for what it is or you don't. But you cannot pick and choose a couple of verses to fit your lifestyle and to cradle the sin that you love so much. You need to repent and say, I am finished. I've given my heart to the Lord. He paid the full price at the cross. I'll give my full life back to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Is anybody agreeing with what I'm preaching? Matthew 4 verse 23 and 24. Matthew 4 says this, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease amongst the people. 
You see, the preaching, the gospel, has to have a balance with the power flowing with it. You cannot be a witness for Jesus without the power. Pastor James has been with me, uh, uh, or I've been with him, shall I say rather, and we've preached the gospel around the world, and we've been to places like Myanmar. If you go to Pakistan, you go to India, you can preach the word of God, which is great, but most people don't believe in the Bible. Unfortunately, to say most Christians either don't believe in the Bible anymore. So how do you convince the people that this God that we serve is a real God? You do it by and showing, a bringing a demonstration of the power of God. Because he's still alive. Because he still moves the same way he did in the Bible times. Who agrees with that? But because the power of God has been put away and hidden in the closet, most Christians, our young people, don't even know what it means to flow in the power. We need men and women who are radical to stand up and bring back the display and the glory of God again in these, in these last days. Hollywood is raising up all these, all these superheroes, all these super beings, the X-Men, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. They want to see the supernatural, but our God is alive. He is still the supernatural God. He flies through the air, walks on the water. Come on, he, he does miracle signs and wonders. But the world has been so infiltrated by a false God that the real God, when he shows up, they say, this is the devil. Well, we don't believe in that stuff, but bring me Superman. He can do it. Turn to your neighbor and go like this. See, you heard him. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and disease and all, uh, amongst the people. And watch verse 24. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed epileptics and paralytics he healed them all hallelujah jesus healed them today you don't see that happening anymore we need the power can i can i get an amen to advance god's kingdom we need to bring a demonstration of the power of god 1 corinthians chapter 4 verse 14 we're going to read the Bible today. Is that okay? Verse 14, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14 says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Here is Paul. He's talking to the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, Paul's speaking to you again this morning. It's not Dion. Paul speaking to you this morning. And what does he say to you? I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Many instructors, but very few fathers. What does an instructor do? He'll teach you the word very nicely. What does a father do? He'll teach you and he'll rebuke you. Come on, somebody. That's what the true father is, is to train us and show us the right way. Now, some people get mad and they say, well, that's not very much. No, if you have a loving father, he'll correct you. He'll correct you. He'll tell you, listen, what you're doing is wrong. You need to repent and go the other way. If your child keeps going and, and you know, taking a, taking a stone and hitting it against the window and you tell him, stop it, stop it, stop it, and you know the window's going to break, you know he has a possibility of being cut and going, you know, hurting himself, eventually you're going to walk up to the kid and spank him on, the, on his high knee because he needs to learn, stop it, you're in trouble. Am I speaking the truth? Because some, some people's brains have gone from here to here and you need to whack it just to get back upstairs again so that they can hear. 
And there's some children in church who've been sitting in church for 30 years, and the moment you tell them, get active in the kingdom of God, they just get mad at you. Sucking on those, you know, those pacifiers, dummies. Don't talk to me like that, pastor. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you. Jesus is. Be obedient to the king. He is the one who wants you to do something for him and advance his kingdom. Do you agree with that? So he says to you, verse 15, though I might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Imitate who? Paul. Do what he did. He said, I imitate Christ, so you imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Uh, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. I love this. Timothy is going to remind the people of, his, of Paul's ways. What example are you putting out there? What your pastor's doing? Hello? What example are you showing the world out there? What you are doing in here? What example are you showing Jesus? How do people know Jesus that you're a child of God? You should be imitating your pastor, imitating me, imitating Paul, imitating God. Would you agree? I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up. Somebody say, uh-oh. Oh. I hope you're not puffed up today. Kind of like the everyday look I get on in church. This is, this is a Sunday morning, Friday night. Yeah, praise God. Deliverance came, bless the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the what? Say it, don't be shy, but the what? So how do you get identified as a Christian? I'll see the power. Well, we love the Lord, of course, love is everything, we understand that. But with love, we need the power. And you say, amen. He says, for the kingdom of God is not in what? In word, but in what? I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about advancing God's kingdom. It's not in word, it's in power. I didn't say this. He has the, in the word in front of you. The kingdom of God is a matter of power. Would you agree? Paul and the other apostles understood this. Like Jesus, they preached and taught God's word, but they also healed the sick. They cast out demons. And in many ways, they demonstrated the power of God that characterizes the kingdom of God. What are you doing, friend? How are you characterizing God's kingdom? Everybody okay? Like Pastor James says, are you all right? I love you. I said that in the first service, this is my home church here in Australia. And I love you to speak the truth to you. You know why? There's rewards in heaven waiting for us.
the sinner will be punished for their sins. But we as Christians, we will receive rewards for what we have done for God. And if you are busy just playing the church game, well, you can't expect much to come. You'll make it into heaven. But I want to receive rewards from God for doing his work. Would you agree? Who wants to receive rewards? So when I speak the way I do, I'm not speaking to beat you over the head like some people think, wow, you whacked me today. No, I'm speaking love to you and I'm just reading the word. And that's why we need to repent. And once we've repented, we need to be expecting that God will use each and every one of us with power and demonstration. You agree? And the devil manifests and the devil shows up and he begins to give you resistance out there. Then you need to get resistance back and cast that thing out in the name of Jesus. God shall not be mocked. I said God shall not be mocked. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. For our gospel, Paul writing, again Paul says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Am I reading the Bible? He says, our gospel does not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. From the beginning of church age, I'm telling you this right now, the preaching of the gospel has been accompanied by the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning. Most churches today deny the power. Well, it's not for us. We don't do that anymore. No. As a Christian, not just in a display from a pulpit in a church, but in your daily walk as a Christian, you are to display the power of God. Every person, every person. If you're a Christian, you're born again, you need to bring a display of the power of God. Why? To convince the people that Jesus is real. The Jews believed in God, the same God Jesus believed in. But Jesus brought a demonstration of the power. The Jews believed there was only back then through the prophets of old, you know. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no, 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 no. God that I serve, the father that I serve is not a father of the Old Testament who brings punishment, pain and destruction. But our God is a God of loving and he heals, he cares, he provides and he'll help you in your time of need. That's what Jesus came to do, to bring a full representation of who the real God is. But he did it with power. Would you agree? All righty. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 says... 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Go and study it on your own. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Come on, I'm believing God for revival in Australia. Two of you are excited about that. Who wants revival? We We need a move. We need a move of God. We need to see God move. We cannot be happy with just what we have right now. This is awesome. Praise God. Two full services that we've seen. And we thank the Lord for that. But why not make this the children's church and go and build a 5,000-seater auditorium? Come on. Let's do it for God. Let's get those people saved. Let's bring them in. Let's get active in the kingdom of God. Don't expect one man to try and do all of this. We all have a part to play because we're all going to stand before God and we're all going to give an account of what we did for Jesus. Don't think you're not going to stand before him. You will stand before him. And he will ask you, what did you do with my word when you were on the earth? What will you do? What will you say to him? And then you say, well, Lord, I didn't know. And you'll say, no, you did know because I sent that crazy guy from Africa to preach to you. Amen. 
My speech, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, my speech and my preaching were not with what? Persuasive words of what? Hmm. So many people can stand on a, on, a, on a Sunday and they can preach very high theological, you know, terminological, whatever stuff with all the Greek and the Hebrew. And they can come with all these persuasive words of human wisdom. But Paul says, I didn't come just like that. But I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We want to go to church to hear some very deep theological teaching. Listen, we've made the gospel so highly complicated, we forgot about the basics. Who agrees? So here's my question. All of you are looking at me funny. When last did you cast a demon out? When last did you lay your hand on somebody sick and see them get healed? And best question of all is, when last did you pray a sinner's prayer with somebody? When last have you led someone to Jesus? Don't tell me it's not my job because I'm reading to you the scripture. It is your job. It's your job. It's your calling. It's your destiny. It's your purpose from God. The kingdom growth must come in the form of word and power and not word alone. The Bible uh, characters, the Bible characters are full of men and women who moved in the power of God. Why shouldn't we? Would you agree with what I'm saying? Point number three, how do we advance the kingdom of God? Well, we've got to make the kingdom of God a very high priority in our life. If the kingdom of God is not a priority in your life, you've missed the whole thing of becoming a Christian. Christianity is not about just getting saved and going to heaven. Christianity is about getting saved and then advancing God's kingdom to get other people saved. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop being selfish. Think about what I just said. It sounds crazy, but we are selfish. We keep this good news for ourselves when there are so many thousands of people right here in Gladstone that are going to go to hell because they haven't heard the word. And somebody said, yeah, but if I tell them the truth, you know, and they, they mock me and they, they cuss at me and they, they speak bad of me, they're not saying it to you. They are saying it to Jesus. They're saying, I don't want this Jesus that you serve. I don't care in this. And you know what? Then if they reject you, fine, move to the next one and move to the next one and move to the next one until somebody turns from God. Hallelujah. Because if you've got that one saved, you'll get another one saved. You'll get another one saved. Do you agree? We can't just stop. We have to get activated in God's kingdom. So make the kingdom of God a high priority in your life. Matthew chapter 13 verse 44. It says this again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Have you let go everything that you have just to get the treasure of Jesus? Is Jesus number one truly in your life? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, he said, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and all these other things shall be added unto you. The kingdom of God should be a very, very high priority to each and every one of us. This requires watchfulness, continual self-discipline on our part. Somebody say continual self-discipline. 
I have to discipline myself. Would you agree? I have to be careful not to get involved in the things of the world unless we lose sight of the commandment. The kingdom is like a treasure. It is well worth our committing all that we have in pursuing him. Pursuing the kingdom. I'm speaking to Christians this morning, aren't I? Jesus' time of fasting in the wilderness, the devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, and Jesus would simply bow down and worship Satan. But Jesus turned around and he said to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Come on, let me remind you. Matthew 4, verse 8 says this again. The devil took him up on, on an exceedingly high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not worship, you shall worship Sorry, the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. My friend, who do you bow your knee to? Who do you serve? Who is your priority in life? Anybody with me? Jesus was completely, utterly focused on the kingdom of God and not on the world. He couldn't be bothered about the things of the world. His focus was on the kingdom. He resisted Satan's temptations and he rebuked him with the scripture. Jesus practiced what he preached. He sought first the kingdom of God. And that was his high priority. Say with me, as he is, so are we. I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. In other words, as he is, so am I on this earth today. How many of you agree with what I'm preaching? Matthew 13, 45. Matthew chapter 13, 45 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. Just reminding you, we have to seek God's kingdom. Must be the number one priority in your life. Not your business, not your, your family. And we love our family. We, we know we have to work. But Jesus Christ must be number one in your life. Not number two or number three or down here, number six on your list of importance. He's got to be number one. Boy, that's very encouraging. All the amens I'm getting here. You know, we had um, um, uh, the first church I was uh, ordained in, Pastor Theo Volmerantz in our, in our country. He had a piece, I think he had something like 45 ministers working for him. And uh, amongst the, the, the ministers, there were a lot of uh, uh, black pastors in our country, different cultures and, and people. They all came, became, uh, got saved. And so anyway, he did a survey one day, he called all the pastors in. And he said, um, I, want you to, I want you to answer these questions that I've put up. And there were a whole list of questions, maybe a piece of like 20 or 30 questions. And one of the questions was, who do you make number one in your life? And here were all these um, different things. Do you make your, do your family, your work, you know, um, and obviously for the black folk in our country, ancestral worship and so forth. And do you know that Jesus in general was number four on the list? Number four. Because some people just don't see the necessity of making Christianity the number one priority of your life. 
If you got saved, you need to make Jesus Christ your number one priority. Who agrees with what I'm saying? Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 36. Is anybody enjoying this? Matthew 13, verse 47 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew, they drew to the shore, and they sat down and they gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just. They will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be a wailing and a gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he said to them, are you listening? Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out the treasures of the things new and old. Make sure that you're always in right standing with God and that we don't fall into the category of the tears and the good seed. Meaning, we make Jesus our number one priority and we make his kingdom our number one priority, then we're gonna get into heaven without having a concern, am I gonna make it? Anybody with me? Are you okay? Can I read another one? Matthew 13, verse 36. Then Jesus, Matthew 13, 36, then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house and his disciples came to him. They said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be a wailing and a gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear what the Lord is saying. There's coming a judgment. There's going to come a separation. And I want to be on the good side, not on the bad side. Can anybody agree? I love you enough to say I want all of you not to be part of the tares, but to be the good seed. Who agrees with that? Don't your neighbor and say, Dion loves you enough to preach the truth to you. I love you this morning. Speak the truth. Number four, we're talking about getting the kingdom of God advanced to move forward. Point number four is press into the kingdom of God and don't become passive. We have a lot of passive Christians, a lot of lukewarm Christians who just want to have a, their conscience Eased by coming to church on a Sunday, but they are not getting involved in the things of God. We need to get involved. Can I get an amen? You need to press into the kingdom of God. Luke, Luke 16, 6 says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Everyone is pressing into it. Ask your neighbor, are you pressing into the kingdom? Are you one of these Christians that are pressing in, pursuing God's kingdom with all your heart? 
the word pressing in there in the in the Hebrew word is the word biazo, uh, B-I-A-Z-O. It means to use force, to apply forcefully, to force, to inflict violence on. You don't hear people preach like that, but that's what the word pressing in means. Biazo. It means to force, to apply force, to force, to inflict violence on. Look at Matthew 11 verse 12. Matthew 11 verse 12. Jesus comes and he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. In other words, entering into the kingdom uh, of God by violent determination to be aggressive in serving God. Some people look at me crazy, say, wow, what are, you know, you, you preach, no, I'm aggressive in the kingdom of God. It's not a game. This is not a make me feel good time. Yes, thank God we're going to get saved. Thank God he heals us. Thank God the Lord is love and he's good to us. Amen. Can you agree? But we need to press in and understand there's two sides of God, not just the good side. There's the righteous side, the holy side of God. And we need to tell people about this, not putting fear in them, but to tell them God loves you. And he has something great in store for you to take you from glory to glory to glory. But you won't experience that unless you seek his kingdom and make it of your number one priority in your life. Has to be number one. Who's your God? The Bible says you cannot have two masters and serve two masters. Either you love one or hate the other. What, either you love money and the world and everything in the world or you're going to love God, pursue God and go hard after God. I'm talking about advancing the kingdom. Can anybody agree with what I'm saying? I believe that a positive understanding of pressing in is consistent with much of Scripture that speaks about taking an aggressive approach to the things of God. If we remain passive, we become merely spectators. Are you a spectator this morning? Are you a spectator? Did you come and say, wow, hmm, that was good. Or are you going to become involved in the kingdom of God? Matthew 21 verse 28. Matthew 21, 28 says, But what do you think? Are you listening now? Are you listening? Are you awake? What do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and he said, Son, go and work today in my vineyard. The first son answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and he went. Then he came to the second and he said, likewise. The second son answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. So which of the two did the will of the father? They said to him, the first one. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe in him. Are you listening? He had two sons. All of us are sons and daughters tonight. 
God comes and says to you, I want you to go and work for me in the, in the vineyard. A lot of you say, yes, I'll do it. Then comes Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Holy Son. You say, yes, amen, I'll do it. But then if you go and look at the fruits of what you said you'll do, it's not there. But that guy who said, I'll, you know, the one who said, I'm not going to do it, he repented and he went to go and do it, what he was told to do. I want to be that son. I hope you're hearing my word. When God says to you, I want you to become active in my kingdom. I want you to serve me. I want you to go wholehearted for me. And when I tell you to do something, become obedient, repent of not doing it, and say, from now on, from this day, I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to work for you, God. There's no amens coming through. There are three questions I want to ask you this morning. Three questions. Luke chapter 5, verse 18, real quickly. Can I go on? Can I still preach a little bit? Am I going to taking too long? Thank you, Pastor. I got the thumbs up. Now watch this. In Luke 5, verse 18, it says, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst of Je uh, before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and he said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them. He took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Hallelujah. I'm ready for that this week. Who's ready to see somebody paralyzed? Get up and walk. Verse 26. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you a question now. Verse 26 says, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with what? Fear. What fear is that? Respect and awe of the greatness of God. Would you agree? And they said something. They said, We have seen strange things today. Question number one, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, believers sitting here looking at me, when last have you seen strange things happen in your walk with the Lord? When last have you witnessed something of the supernatural, something out of the ordinary take place, strange things happen in your walk? And if you haven't, why not? Let me go on. Luke 7 verse 11. Luke chapter 7 verse 11 says this. Now it happened the day after that he went into the city and called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when they came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. And the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd followed, uh, the large crowd from the city was with her. Now, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then what happened? 
fear. Somebody say fear. Is there still a fear of God in the church today? Where is that fear? Then fear came upon all and they glorified God and they said a great prophet has risen up amongst us and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. I have a question for you, number two. What report do you carry? How are you known by men, by people? How do they perceive you, see you, know you? What are the fruits of your lifestyle outside of this church? What report do you carry? Jesus had a good report of signs, wonders, and miracles. So did his disciples. What happened to the new church today, the time that we're in? What report do we carry? Are we known by the glory and the power of God? Or are we known as something else? A powerless church full of dead works. I love what pastor told me he was preaching on the church in Revelation. The seven churches. Kind of like picks up with what you were preaching, isn't it? Where are we? Where are we, Christian? Don't you know that Jesus is coming? Don't you know that we're in the end times? Don't you know that Ezekiel 38 is at the brink of maybe breaking out and there's going to be a, a war against Israel? Don't you know that there is so much stuff going on right now that Jesus can come at any minute, any minute, any minute? And we are playing this game of just going to church and easing my conscience and living for the world and giving everything to the world instead to God. Do you know that your big house cannot, cannot go with you to heaven? Your car cannot go. Your thousands of dollars that you earn cannot go with you to heaven. The only thing that you can take to heaven is a soul. Only we can go to heaven is taking souls. That's the only treasure we have with us. How many souls have you taken to heaven? How many of you are led to the Lord? What are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? Revelations 12 verse 11 says this. And everybody knows this one, Revelation 12 verse 11 says, And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did what? They did not love their lives to the death. Question three. What new testimony do you carry? What testimony do you have of what God has done for you? In your walk with him. Is anybody listening to me? Can I continue? Can we have a revival? You know, I know Pastor James will know my heart, but it's so sad that, you know, we're only going to come tonight and then tomorrow night and then it's finished. What, what would happen if we would continue having services and all of you grabbed hold of what I was teaching? And all of you became active. This building would be way too small. We'll fill that overflow hall. It would be way too small if each and every one of you actually grasped what I was teaching. Would you agree? Revival. God is wanting to move. He's excited to give you his kingdom, yet we become passive. And we say, well, that's not for me. Luke chapter 13 verse 22 says, And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Did you hear the Lord speaking now? 
strive to enter through the narrow gate. Somebody say narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and you knock at the door and you say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will again, you will begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence and we toured in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. That's the Lord speaking. Don't get mad at me. And some of you might be saying, you say, oh, Dion, I don't like what you're reading. It's putting fear on me. Good. Because what does that do? It produces repentance. The fear of the Lord is not, oh, God's going to punish me. No, the fear of God is, Lord, I respect you. I honor you, God. I love you. Be merciful upon me, Jesus. I'm sorry that I've neglected you and your kingdom and turned and followed my own ways. I repent this morning, Jesus. Come and use me. Flow through me. I seek you first. You are the lover of my soul. It's not just a song I sing. I mean it. Everything of you, God, is for me the most important thing. That's where we should be in our relationship with him. Would you agree? But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. And they will come from the east and the, and the west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first. And they will be first who will be last. Thank God for that verse. What does that mean? Maybe at this point of time as you listen to me preach. There is the opportunity for repentance. And you will maybe last but you'll be first in heaven. Because God forgives us. Come on I'm sharing good news with you this morning. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say thank God for repentance. Number five. Develop a worldwide vision for the kingdom of God. Develop a vision. See the big picture. Don't just be stuck in these four walls of here I am and this is what I'm to do. Get the picture of expanding God's kingdom in a bigger way. Would you agree with that? My time is running out. There's so much. Those of you taking notes, I won't read it. Matthew 13, verse 31 to 32. He speaks about this mustard seed that when we go, well, let me read. I have to read it. Another parable he put forth to them. This is Matthew 13, 31. He put a, a parable to them and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field, which indeed at the, is the least of all the seeds. When it grows, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in it. So don't be encouraged by what may seem to be a small result in what you are doing. But remember this mustard seed. It's sowing. Jesus said that it's the smallest of all the seeds, but it grew and became a large plant. In other words, don't think that what you are doing is insignificant and meaningless for God. 
just do something. Just start somewhere. Would you agree? Start somewhere. Say, where do I start, Dion? What do you want me to do? Get involved in the church. Find a problem. Find a problem to the solution. Well, we don't have youth leaders, and we don't have children's church, and we don't have home cells, and we don't have this, and we have people complain, complain. No, stand up and become involved. Help your pastor to grow this church. Get active in the kingdom of God. If there's a prayer meeting, get involved in prayers. Come on, if there's evangelism, get involved in evangelism. If there's a mission strip coming out, get involved. Do something to advance the kingdom of God. Why? It's for your good. You'll find that you go out and you begin to work for God. You'll find God dealing with you, speaking with you, changing you, encouraging you, strengthening you. You think you're doing good for somebody else, but you're actually doing good for yourself. I know what I'm talking about. You agree? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 and 7, he speaks to us and he says, Then Paul, who then is Paul? <laughs> and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Hello, somebody. God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Did you hear this? He who plants, he who waters are one, but God gives that increase. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds on it. Verse 5. Number 6. Cast your nets so that you can catch every kind of fish. Don't just go for the ones you want. Boy. I always like it when we have these revival meetings. I say, go out, invite people. They all go to the Christians. They invite the Christians. I don't want a Christian. I want, this, I want the dead coming to church. Hello. You agree? We want the sinners to come. What's the point? Well, all they're going to do is come to church, fill the church up, and go back to their own church. So we didn't really have a revival. It looked good. But we want, we want sinners to come to the house so they can repent and then stay in that house. Would you agree? Have a vision, not just for certain people, but reach out to all kinds of people. Thank God for this multicultural church. Come on, I love what I'm seeing. I see all people here. This is what heaven's going to be like one day. Unfortunately, we still find people who are prejudiced. We still find people who are racist in this time. Thank you, Pastor. Number seven. I'm skipping a lot due to the time, but last one. How do we expand the kingdom of God? Is this, don't let your vision drift backwards. Hold on. Don't hold on to the old life. Grab hold of what God is doing now and for the future. So many people want things to be the way it was. No. We, move, we need to do what God's doing now. Move with him. Are you hearing me? The cloud moved 10 times when they were in Egypt, uh, 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 in the desert, sorry. And when God moved, they had to move with him. Some people wanted to stay behind. Some people love the life of Egypt. 
It was comfortable. Yes, we were in slavery. Yes, they beat us over the back and chained us up. But at least we got to go home that night and we got to drink our little drink, you know, and we had our little fruit garden. We had our animals cared for. But now I'm in the desert and if God moves, I better move with him. Otherwise, the Philistines are going to come and catch me. And you need to grab hold of the vision that God has. Because if you don't buy into the vision, you're not going to see things happen. And let me tell you, I, a Pastor, I, I can say this because I, I feel I'm part of this house. But I want to say that this vision is awesome. It's excellent. But God just tested your faith to see are you willing to go bigger. Are you willing to make it bigger? Already this church is too small. Are you willing to build a 2,000 seater? Well, how, when, how, who, who? No, you. Are you hearing me? How? How are we going to do this? God will give you property. Begin to search for a property. Begin to build on the vision. Begin to grow your faith. God will give the money to buy and to begin to lay a foundation. He'll do it for you. Just get that vision. But understand that your pastor and God needs all of you to get involved to come. Who would love to see a 2,000-seat auditorium come up? Come on. God can do it. Oh, some of you are not excited. Well, that just sounds like too much work for me. Well, repent and get busy in the kingdom. Amen. Get busy. It's what we need to do. Some people, you started off with a vision, you started plowing, and then you stopped because it became too difficult. And I want to tell many of you sitting here this morning, you had a fire for God, you had a zeal for God, but you lost it because the workload looks like it became too much for you. It's because you were trying it in your own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Ghost. Can I get in? It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to plow and get the job done. You are needed. I'm telling you right now, you are needed. Every one of you sitting here are needed to expand God's kingdom. I do it what I can do. Pastor does it how he does it. But each and every one of you, you have a role to play. We are part of the body. And I'll close with this by saying, have you ever gone to the toilet and you, it's late at the night and it's dark and you walk to the toilet and you bump your little toe on the bed? Have you noticed how crippled your body becomes? I don't care how many thousands of kilograms you can pick up and be a man at gym and look strong and powerful. Your little toe gets hurt, you cripple, you can't do nothing. <laughs> nothing. Would you agree? Now, you might feel like you're a little toe here in the house and you feel like, well, I'm insignificant in what I do. No, you are needed to do great things for God and for his kingdom. Come on, give God praise if you agree. You are needed. Who's going to come back tomorrow, uh, tonight, I mean? Who's going to come back tonight? What time? 6.30. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope to see you tonight. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Nobody walk. Nobody move. I'll let you go because I know you're hungry. But every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you, nobody looking except me, how many of you say, Dion, I really heard what you preached this morning. And I enjoyed what you were saying. Raise your hand. Let me see. Is anybody there? Good. Now, how many of you know that you need to be fully committed to God to be able to advance his kingdom? You cannot stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You cannot. You cannot. I'm going to say it very boldly. You cannot have both ways. Either you are hot or you are cold. You cannot be lukewarm. God does not like lukewarm Christians. You cannot come to church on a Sunday and speak in tongues and look holy and then live like the devil Monday to Saturday. 
make a choice. I'm telling you this morning, listen to my voice. You have to make a choice today. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to God who loves you and wants to help you. You say to me, Dion, what do you want me to do? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ, to be fully committed to the Lord. I'm not just going to pray a prayer to ease your conscience because you felt a little bit guilty of my preaching. I want you to make a decision to say today is the day I'm turning to God 100%. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to spend eternity in the flames of fire. I want to spend eternity with my Jesus. And I'm not going to be this lukewarm Christian, but I'm going to be an on fire Christian. I'm going to make God's kingdom number one priority. I'm going to make Jesus number one priority. Not number two, number three, or number four. I'm making Him my number one. If you say, Dion, would you pray for me, please? I do not want to go to hell, but I want to go to heaven. I need Him this this, uh, morning. I need Him. Please, Dion, you have to pray with me. You have to pray with me. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand that you can receive Jesus. Get out of your backslidden state and serve Him. Are you ready? One, two, three. Many hands going up. Many hands. All of those people who raise their hands quickly, not for me, but for Jesus, stand to your feet. If you mean business, quickly stand, stand, stand. All over the house, those who raise their hands. God bless you, God bless you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Some of you are scared to stand up now. Don't be scared. Stand for Jesus, not for me. You can lie to me. You can't lie to God. He sees you there where you're sitting. Those of you that are standing, thank you so much. Look at me, everybody standing. Would you please come down here to the altar? I would love to pray with you. Let's give God a nice big clap offering for these people as they come forth. Come on, family, give God a big praise. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Please don't leave and go home now. That's being very disrespectful to God. How would you like it if somebody's going to pray for you to be, to be saved and then somebody walks up out of that presence? You guys up front here, look at me. I want you, I want you to understand something. You're making a decision not for me. You're making a decision for yourself. Would you agree? You're not about to join a popularity contest because Christianity is not popularity. Christianity is offensive. It will always be offensive to those who are not on fire for God. You will go through persecution. You will be disliked. You will be mocked and laughed at. Are you willing to pay that price for the sake of Jesus Christ to earn eternal life? I'm asking a question. Are you willing to go all the way for God? I'm tired of leading people to Jesus who pray a little sinner's prayer and they never change. There's no repentance that takes place. You repent today. You give your heart 100% to God. You follow Him as I talk. Are you willing to do that? Please, I love you. I'm speaking the truth. I do not want to play games. If you are, thank you. Not thank you to me. Thank you to Jesus. That you are saying, Lord, I'm surrendering everything. I'm giving you my all. 
audience in the in the uh, sorry church we do those of you sitting quickly turn around to two or three people ask them are you sure your life is right let's evangelize come on help me evangelize ask your neighbor are you right if they're not right bring them to the front bring them to the front tonight we'll be praying for the sick I want you to come down tonight I'll be praying for the sick tonight and we'll get into this uh, walk with the Lord in a far greater way is everybody saved back there are you saved this block here hello block are you saved if you can't look at me and you're looking down get here you're not saved this middle section are you all okay there's another one coming God bless you hallelujah you made it just in time hallelujah hallelujah this section is everybody okay on this side Good. Let's all stand to our feet. All of you up front here, would you hold your hands as if to receive? You're going to receive today. Now, I do understand many of you, I don't know you, I don't know any of you standing here, quite frankly. So, some of you are making a rededication, and maybe somebody's making a first time decision. Doesn't matter to me. I just believe it's like all of you are starting a new walk with the Lord today. Is that okay? Would you agree? You're starting all over again. So say this with me. Audience, help them. Stretch your hands out and pray for them. And everybody in the house, say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me all my sins. I believe this morning, as I confess my sins, that the blood of Jesus washes me and cleanses me of all my sin right now I believe I have no more sin I've been forgiven I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised Jesus from the dead Jesus I ask you today to come and live in my heart I receive you now as my God and Savior. I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I turn my back on the world. I renounce Satan, his kingdom, and everything he stands for. I renounce him in the name of Jesus. And Father God, today, I will serve you with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind to the best of my ability until I die. I thank you, God, that I'm now born again. I have the assurance of my salvation. My name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Before... Before I hand over to Pastor James to take care of all of you beautiful people up front, I want you guys up front to lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. And I want the rest of you guys to do the same. Just find somebody and lay your hand on someone's shoulder. If somebody's standing on their own, just somebody lay hands on them. Can I ask the Lord to baptize you with a fresh fire today? Oh, can I ask the Lord to baptize you with the Holy Ghost? Father, we pray for a fresh anointing to come upon every man and woman that is standing here in the front and in the back. Lord, we're all your children. We love you, Lord. 
But Father God, we have drifted away and we've, we've made wrong decisions. But today we've decided to come back to you. Now I ask you, Lord, as the scripture says, that it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by your Holy Spirit. So Father God, I pray, empower every man and woman standing here this morning. Fill them with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord God, let your power, your glory and anointing hit them now in the name of Jesus. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, fill them, fill them. Use them, Father. Let your fire come down from heaven in the name of Jesus. Ignite us, refire us, and let the revival start now in Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with me, begin to pray in tongues. There we are. Come on, I want to hear you speak in your heavenly language. Fill them, Lord. Baptize them with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Bless them, empower them, deliver them from the yoke of bondage. Set the captives free from addictions. Set them free, Father God, from perverse spirits and anoint them to go out and preach the gospel with signs following. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with me says, Amen. Give God a big clap offering. Thank you, Jesus. Brilliant. Great.